Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for November 9. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. History and archaeology documentaries have made us more aware of past civilizations and the splendor of their buildings. However, while ancient buildings can be awe-inspiring, they testify to the rise and fall of nations. No matter how great an empire may have been, no matter how rich its accomplishments or powerful its armies, it didn't last. All of which makes Jesus' response to his disciples' comment about the magnificence of the Jerusalem temple significant. During the week leading up to his arrest, they remarked on the magnificence of the temple. Luke chapter 21, verses 5 through 19. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, See that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be afraid, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all of this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and the prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. At the time, the Jerusalem Temple was some 50 years into an 83-year reconstruction facilitated by Herod the Great. The temple was immense, constructed of massive stones, some over 60 feet in length. It covered a 35-acre site, more than twice the size of the original World Trade Center Twin Towers site in New York City. Tacitus, a contemporary Roman historian, commented on the grandeur, the beauty and the wealth of the temple. Luke himself notes the extensive decoration that adorned it. Jesus' response to the disciples' comment was unexpected. The days will come when not one stone will be left upon another, he said. All will be thrown down. Just as it would have been outrageous for anyone to have predicted the destruction of the Twin Towers in New York City before September 11, 2001, it would have been even more so for Jesus to say the temple would be raised to the ground. As N.T. Wright observes, the temple occupied central place in the life, religion and imagination 
of the Jewish people. The temple signified God's presence with his people. It was also the place where sacrifices to atone for the sins of the people were made. Foreshadowing its destruction, Jesus pointed to the obsolescence of what the temple materially represented in terms of God and his people. Earlier in his ministry, Jesus warned of catastrophic events yet to come. It's therefore not surprising the disciples asked, Teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? Their words, these things, are key to the themes that unfold. Three of the Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark and Luke, record Jesus' words about the last things. However, there are differences. Matthew and Mark, for example, weave together Jesus' words about Jerusalem and the end of time, making it difficult to unravel the themes. Luke, however, sets out the two scenes more clearly, perhaps because he writes primarily for a non-Jewish readership. Central to Jesus' response about the timing of these things are his words, and when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. He restates the tension he had already spoken of, namely the tension between immediacy and delay regarding the timing of events. He expands this by identifying the first two sets of events that we should expect as, under God, the world moves towards an end time. Convulsions and Persecutions Jesus begins with a specific warning about false prophets who will come in his name making predictions about the end of time. Don't be taken by surprise, he continues, There will be an end of time, but before that, nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and pestilences, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. Jesus warns of wars and conflicts. Three years ago, who would have expected a global pandemic? And twelve months ago, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Furthermore, Jesus also warns of natural disasters and upheavals. Consistently he taught that by our own efforts we are not good enough to create a world of universal peace, nor can we control the massive forces that lie beneath the earth's crust, forces of such magnitude that cause earthquakes and volcanic eruptions. We should not be taken by surprise by the rise and fall of nations, as well as seismic and climatic events. As Paul the Apostle writes in Romans chapter 8, verses 21 and 22, the present creation is subject to decay and groans in travail, awaiting the day when we will enjoy the perfect fulfillment of all God's promises. Why is it that we live with our eyes so focused on life now that we fail to walk in the light and the wisdom of the Lord? 
Jesus also warns of occasions when God's people will be marked out as undesirables. Some will be imprisoned and even brought before heads of state. However, he assures us, we will never be alone. He will equip us with any defence that might be needed. Settle it therefore in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to answer. To which he added a promise no one could make except by the authority and the power of God. For I will give you a mouth and a wisdom, he said, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. While Christianity offers light and love, joy and hope to the world, it is the faith the world loves to hate. We need to take hold of Jesus' words of warning and encouragement when we encounter the unexpected praying for His grace and wisdom to remain strong in our faith, secure in His promises. No matter what we may experience, our life with Him is assured. Let's also pray for and support those who are persecuted for their faith and look for opportunities to talk with others about the joy and the hope that can be found in Jesus Christ. So let me pray. Almighty and most merciful God, out of your bountiful goodness, keep us from everything that may hurt us, so that we may be ready in body and soul, cheerfully to accomplish whatever you want us to do. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds and the knowledge and love of God, and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be amongst us and remain with us always. Amen. People involved in today's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and April Marks, a member of Christ Church Presbyterian San Francisco. Prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978. The opening and concluding music is from St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney, under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You also may like to listen to He Will Hold Me Fast from Keith and Kristen Getty at gettymusic.com.